Hey folks, how the hell are you? My name is Kaylin. And I'm the bane of my father's existence. And you're listening to Crime or Reason. What's up, everybody? How is life? It's hot. It is hot. (laughs) That's hot. We hope everybody's doing fantastic today. Fantabulous. We are excited for this episode. Do you know why? Why? Because we're both telling a story. We love to see it. We both actually have a case each, Mm -hmm. which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we are doing a new little segment, if you will. It's not a lot of fun. Because we have 75 of them um, (laughs) in our few short episodes. But essentially, we're going to be talking about killer nurses. Killer nurses. We thought that it would be really, really cool to do a segment where we talk about the people that we, like, install all of our fear and faith into to, like, keep us safe and alive and healthy and how just like every other field of work and all other walks of life there are some psychopaths out there yes so this should be fun new fear unlocked yeah which it's just so crazy because like a lot of the times you i mean they try to be tricky but it is easier for them to be like sneaky with it because Mm -hmm. but i know that in my case the bad guy got caught Mine also got caught. So, which I mean, we don't really know of many nurses' cases where they don't get caught. Correct. So. Because it's pretty obvious that if you're laying in a hospital bed and a nurse is taking care of you and you die, fingers pointed towards the nurse. Especially if it's happening to more than one patient one patient which yep. is in my case i'm sure it's in yours too yes a wild time a wild time would you like to go first or do you want me to go first sure i'll go first all right so we are going to be talking about the case of benjamin gein which i was like gein any correlation to ed gein no, no. um hmm. none at all but it's really crazy because he actually has a nickname of the last name of another killer is the, he he gets a nickname. We'll go into it. Okay. So, so Benjamin Gein was born in 1980 to Eric and Mike Gein. Um, he served in the military at one point. He was really big into the action. He liked like the fighting and the combat. Like it was stuff that he was really really into. People said that he was always you know looking for the action action was like something that he was really into he liked things to be exciting a thrill seeker Mm -hmm. if you will a thrill seeker yes so we have another thrill kill here if you will oh man he worked at horton general hospital in banbury oxfordshire he just loved to be where the action was like everybody was like he he wanted to always be in the action he was always picking up shifts working as much as he can he worked in like their accident and trauma center which mm-hmm. i'm assuming it's like an er is, is yeah, what it sounds yeah. like like and trauma centers are like even there's like different levels of trauma centers right so 
It may have even been just like a specifically for trauma kind of thing, maybe. Essentially, he was just always where everything exciting was. And he tried to get his hands on with like basically as many patients as he could. It was just something that he was always interested in and, you know, gearing toward, especially like the more traumatic ones. They said that he had like a bad habit of ignoring instructions and he had been warned on several occasions about turning up in the emergency department without authority and that he needed to stay put where he was because he was he was put with like the minor injuries like that's where he was posted up at oh so he was trying to get higher traumas and and he would just like find his way over there you know like just like a little pushy. Um, yeah, like, you got you got a minor injury. Well, I'm going to go see what's going on down here. Yeah. So, like, that was just everything that he was in, into. And actually, we end up learning that he's got, like, um, hero syndrome, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's something that sometimes is prevalent in right. the medical field. Yep. So, essentially, everybody, um, you know, going about their job and whatnot. And there ended up being, over the course of a couple months, like, a lot of patients who were coming in for like minor stuff and then shit would kind of hit the fan and it was all the same um the all same like major event that would happen Mm -hmm. they would go into respiratory arrest which not everybody's just going into respiratory arrest like there were people coming in with like for stitches and then going into respiratory arrest oh wow and who was always around Benjamin. Mr. Gein. Yeah, Mr. Gein. Um, he was he was always around when it would happen, and so all of these intense cases where people were going into respiratory arrest, he was always at the hospital, like, when these were happening. It didn't take long before people started pointing fingers. and Right, started you know, talking. Yeah, they were talking, like, not only about each other, but a lot of people gravitated toward the idea that it was Ben. Yeah. And... Talk travels quick in a hospital. Yeah. Ben would also, too, always know exactly how to resuscitate him. It's like he always knew what was going on. Mm. And so it was giving, that's kind of where this hero. The hero syndrome. Comes in. because Yeah. Because he was, people were starting to suspect that he was doing something to the patients just so that he can resuscitate them. And they don't know if it was for the thrill of, like, life or death because he was really into, like, thrill seeking. Or if it was for, like, the praise. Like, he was wanting the praise from it. So, between December 2003 and December 2004, it ended up being 18 patients total that were going to the emergency department uh-huh. that ended up somehow suffering from respiratory arrest. 18? 18, yes. Now, a lot of these would end up living, um, but we do get to a situation where two of the patients had actually died um, in the same month, in January of uh, 2004 David Onley who was age 75 and Anthony Bateman who was age 65 both ended up passing it was actually pretty crazy because David had been admitted into the emergency department um, with complications of his diabetes and some like heart issues so which doesn't correlate at all whatsoever with respiratory arrest. Right. And when this kind of thing happens, you know, my, my grandfather's diabetic. So when that happens, like it's all, you know, pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. They go in, he ends up getting an insulin trip. 
and so that they can kind of, you know, counteract or make everything mm-hmm. better. And they actually said that he got better. Then it said that Benjamin Gein actually ended up coming in um, and taking over as the nurse because it was like overnight. So he ended up taking over for the nurse. Less than an hour later, David had suffered from respiratory arrest and was struggling to breathe and was struggling to breathe and ended up dying because of it. Wow. So he was doing better, and then yep. as soon as Gein came in, he... Yep. Awful. So it actually came out that another patient that Gein had w- treated ended up having the drug midazolam in his system, which is essentially benzo, so it's a sedative. Mm-hmm. With sedatives and muscle relaxer stuff of that nature, we learned that it slows down your respiratory it's what they use to put you to sleep. Right, like, yeah. It's what yeah. they use to shut down your system so that you can, like, have surgery. Right, and so um, in smaller doses, it's meant to, like, kind of slow everything mm-hmm. down. You know, a lot of stuff does that with, right. between, like, muscle relaxers or, you know, sedatives. It kind of slows down everything. Um, it really calms down the body. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes it's given just to, like, calm patients. Yeah. And, but given in higher doses... It can shut down the respiratory, it can like slow down the respiratory system too much. Mm-hmm. And so then it ends up stopping everything. You end up going into respiratory arrest. And then past that, another patient that was treated by Gain ended up coming in because they had like some sort of stomach issues. Like they were really like having some issues. Mm-hmm. It turned out that not only did they have the midazolam in their system, but they also had a muscle relaxant called vecuronium and again that's where that muscle relaxer comes in so this person had not only a sedative which is going to slow down your Mm -hmm. respiratory system system, but also a muscle relaxer which also slows down your respiratory system so we're double dosing here and none of these were found as prescriptions for these people like they weren't prescribed these things it wasn't on their charts for them to you know, have been having these things administer on them. And we actually learn that a couple patients who ended up like coming out of this and going into like coma like statement or like states, there was one patient who came in and was in a lot of pain and the doctor had left and Gein had come in and ended up saying, I see that you have like morphine on your chart. And this was a nurse who used to work at that hospital, she was retired. She came in and he was like, I see that there's some morphine on your chart for pain. Like, I could help you administer that. And she said that the next thing that happens is Gein was like, I'm going to just flush your drip and get you set. And she said, that's the last thing that she remembers because she just went completely unconscious. Oh, no. Yeah. So he was just like coming in saying, hey, I'm here to help. I'm going to give you this and flush your IV and make sure it's you're good and taken care right. of. And then all of a sudden they were out. Yes, yes, correct. Can we just talk for a second about how stupid it is to go into someone's room? Because they're going to do autopsies on these people mm-hmm. and see that they had these drugs in their system. Which none of these people had died. He wasn't expecting any of them to die oh, until the two died. Because he, he was saving them. Yes. He like he like like the thrill of like people dying and him being like let me fix you right. What's crazy is like even they even had a patient who was like twenty two years old, like in super athletic shape, mm-hmm. who came in and suffered from respiratory arrest. That's insane. Yeah. So like, like dude, he had to know, dude. You're fucking up so bad. So bad. <laughs> so, it. I don't know. It's just, it's so intense. Um, they did have one patient who came in who had taken a ridiculous amount of it says painkillers 
Mm-hmm. Um, so had re- taken a ridiculous amount of painkillers. Um, no specification, but I mean the painkillers. Um, and drink an entire bottle of gin. He had completely stopped breathing after Dean had administered something on him that he didn't need. Like, his psychological state could not have been... Like, he was... Something was altered here. Like, right. very off. Also, too, I said something about that nurse while ago and just said that she was in pain. I didn't tell you guys what was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. She had a dislocated shoulder. That's it? Yeah. Oh my Which, also, too, a fucking dislocated shoulder. Uh, could not be me. Could not be me. If I were to dislocate a shoulder, I'd be like, take me out. Take me out. <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah. I, because, like, it not only is incredibly painful to dislocate anything, but a shoulder, mm. then to have it relocated. Like, the way that, that they have like, to, like, re- yeah. Oh, <laughs> could not, could not. Anyway, so obviously at this point, you know, everybody's realizing, like, hey, Gene's literally always here, and every single patient who was, like, you know, getting wrecked with, you know, all these medicines. respiratory arrests, right. um, they have all literally been under, you know, some sort of care at some point by Gein. Mm-hmm. Because of this, his co-workers ended up calling him Ben Alit. Ben Alit? Yes, like Beverly Alit. Beverly Alit? And if you guys don't know who Beverly Alit is, she is also a nurse from England who was, like, notoriously known for being, like, a serial killer nurse. A like child. She, yeah, she killed. Serial killer nurse. Yeah. She. A ridiculous, well, I mean, it wasn't a ridiculous amount. I, more than one is a ridiculous right, amount. Right, more But she had one. killed, I think it was, like, four or six. Like, it was a lot. Uh, like, infants, toddlers. I'm pretty sure they referred to her as, like, the angel of death. Or, like, even, like, most nurses who kill, they call them angels of death. Right. But, like. Yeah, so. She it, was intense. So they ended up calling him Ben Olid. Um, named after Beverly Elit. Beverly Elit. So you, I mean, and these nurses, they know, like, you know, they're not stupid. They know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they said that uh, a lot of these nurses that he worked with ended up actually in court later testified that when somebody would go into respiratory arrest, Gein would almost look happy. Like, he like was he, like, excited Yeah, like, it. it would spark something in him, and then he would continue to, like, brag about himself to his co-workers and other doctors. Brag like about how able. big and good he was yeah. for saving somebody from respiratory arrest. Yep. It's disgusting. Yep. So, with that being said, obviously an investigation came <laughs> because they're like, people are dead now. Yeah. And this is a... This is not only, like, a criminal emergency, but it immediately becomes, like, a medical emergency in mm-hmm. a way because people at a hospital are dying and they're like, we gotta, we gotta fucking go. Figure this out. Right. So, um, cops came in. They worked incredibly, incredibly close with, like, the medical staff mm-hmm. because these are cops. These are not nurses or doctors, so they don't know all the, you know, all the medicines, lingo all and the, the medicines. Lingo, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, they're working really close to learn as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And they're going through and investigating, and they're showing that statistically, it does not make sense that this many people are dying the way that they are. Under the care. Uh, with him being there. Like, uh-huh. the statistics don't actually make sense. Yeah. It actually showed that a good chunk of all the patients that suffered from the respiratory arrest under Gein's care um, actually had that midazolam in it, or in their system. And so that was obviously... Like his drug of choice yeah. kind of thing? There ended up being 
not only like medical professionals that were advising in this but up to like there were like 40 officers that were investigating this like it was a big investigation because yeah. they were like this is you know happening here right um, people aren't supposed to go to the hospital and die right so basically with you know a bunch of medical experts they were able to draw conclusions the drugs that were being administered would all cause like this type of respiratory arrest mm-hmm. and that all of these patients had been treated by King. Obviously, we know. So, the investigation went quick, which I think it was like a weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were able to find a lot, do everything. With that being said, that comes back in the trial later. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, oh, it took a weekend. So, we'll oh, get into no. it. There are actually, once you draw your own conclusions on this case, it'll probably shock you. Shock! How, how many people are on the opposite side. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't think, okay. I already know what side you're going to be on, uh-huh. so, but yeah, there are people on the opposite side that, like, on both sides that are like, mm, this is how I feel, so mm-hmm. we'll get into it. So, Gein and his girlfriend had left one morning to go to work, and Gein was freaking out because he reached down into his pocket of his scrubs and found a syringe that he had taken with him, which you don't do. Yeah, weird. But also, he lived on the medical facility, so there was no nothing that was technically like reprimandable about what he did because it never yeah because it never left the medical facility, and so his girlfriend was like, "Listen, don't panic. Like you're fine. Like it happens. People do it, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's something like, you know, you have something in your morphine in your pocket. Yeah, that you were Mm -hmm. gonna you know do for a drip and." It was close to the end of your shift. It was in your pocket. And the next thing you know, you got morphine out. <laughs> so, would you like to take a guess on what was in that syringe? The one that starts with an M. No. What? The vacuronium. Um, and it said that it was even, like, possibly, like, a lethal dose. Because it's that muscle relaxer. Well, that's crazy. Which we know was found in one of the patients right that had passed he ended up going to work and you know he was just going to take his girlfriend's advice so just just throw it in one of like the biohazard containers mm-hmm. like one or discard containers once you get there but when he got there there were police outside and he was like oh um and he got obviously really nervous and yeah. panicky and as you would imagine and I get panicky and nervous around police, so I couldn't imagine having actually done anything. So, um, and then upon arrival, he was arrested. And, of course, he was arrested with a syringe. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. Full of a lethal dose of Valcaronium. So, things look pretty damning here. Well, yeah. Because they are. They, They very much are. He was arrested for inflicting bodily harm to 16 patients and then formally accused or formally arrested of the uh, murder of two of the patients. Now, we get into the trial and there's a lot of stuff that is against him. They talk about how he used different relaxants and insulins and sedatives um, to cause respiratory arrest and Mm -hmm. essentially failure in two of the patients um, to carry out his his hero syndrome. Mm -hmm. The prosecution and the defense both agreed that he was around 
when everything happened, like when all these people like yeah, I'm sure there's like when security went footage. Around. Yeah, and you know everybody agreed to that. And of course, like the nurses were testifying, like how he acted, how he had almost seemed like happy when it would happen. However, they actually used for defense and Gain said himself, I was always at the hospital. Of course these deaths were gonna happen. Which technically, yeah, if you're working that many cases or that many shifts, you're yes, probably you're gonna, gonna be there be for there. a lot. Yeah, right. But he was also in the room. Yeah, he or at least had treated in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And one of the nurses even talked about the night nurse that had, with the first patient, that had said that he had, you know, improved with the diabetes. Yeah. And then Gein got him and he died, like, an hour later. <laughs> um, said, so, you know, even testified, like, he was totally fine, like, he had made improvements by the time that I got him. Completely fine, yeah. and then all of a sudden he mm-hmm. went in and he was right going into respiratory arrest. Now, the defense did say that there wasn't enough time. To do a full-scale investigation, because it only took place over a weekend. Was there not enough time to do a full-scale investigation, or was he just so sloppy that it but, was easy to fucking figure right. it out? Right, like, he was, like I said in the beginning, he was stupid. Like, right, and you actually even learn that at some point, like, when he was being interrogated, when he was being interrogated by police, he was trying to, like, throw them off and, like, really just, like, diminish their knowledge by using a bunch of, like, medical, medical terms. What an asshole. But they had just done an entire investigation and were working closely with the whole medical staff and the medical experts, so they right. knew everything that he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So he's an idiot. Yeah. So an he, asshole and an idiot. Correct. So um, Dr. Graham Hill, um, who was a criminologist and a detective, did mm-hmm. conclude that Gene had um, hero syndrome and. He wanted to come in and, you know, be the hero, be the one that fixed everything. Um, and on, save and people. Save, and save people, yeah. <laughs> so on May 9th, 2006, he was 25 years old then. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, he was young. I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, he was born in 1980. 25. Yeah. Oh, my God. So on May, or on May 9th, I think I said six. No, I said nine. On May 9th, 2006... He was given given seventeen life sentences. Seventeen life sentences. But with the recommendation that he spend at least thirty in prison before being able to be considered for parole. So he can be considered for parole in twenty thirty six. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He obviously uh, maintained his innocence and said that he would be appealing this. Mm-hmm. But years later, he ended up, like, firing his legal team, got a whole new legal team, and started an appeals process. He did, like, a couple different appeals. During this time of the failed appeals, they were saying that, quote-unquote, that this was a major miscarriage of justice. Mark McDonald, who was the founder of the London Innocence Project, had even come behind to back and defend Gain, saying that... He thought that he was wrongfully wrongfully convicted because if you remember Dr. Death, mm-hmm. do you remember, do you know anything about that? Dr. Death? Yeah. No. So also killer doctor. Mm-hmm. This was coming off the tailcoats of that. The defense described it as a witch hunt and that he was wrongfully tried because he was under a microscope because of everything that had just happened. But... 
There was a lot of evidence. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence. Like but they kept saying <laughs> that it was circumstantial evidence, which technically it is, but you can have an outstanding amount of circumstantial evidence that backs up enough for a conviction. I don't know. That's hard. Yeah. Because I guess it is all circumstantial. Yeah, every bit of it. There's no solid proof that he did any of it. That's awful. Yeah. Because, because you also got to think they got to respect, like, patient confidentiality, yep. too. So Yep. And so that like, means if a, if a patient did not, you know, testify, mm-hmm. then they couldn't even pull that into court because of the confidentiality. Right, right. You know, it would have to come from the uh, mouth. Yeah. Medical ethics was one of my least favorite <laughs> classes because it was so trying. Mm-hmm. And all the arguments we had to make was impossible. Sorry, I just thought of medical ethics because of, like, mm-hmm. patient confidentiality and how they have to respect if a person's not wanting to be talked about in court. Right. And, but if their bodily harm comes to them, it's just, it's such a gray area. It's good that we have things like HIPAA and Casper, but, like, it does make legal, <laughs> it does cause legal hurdles, but right. I mean, like, right. you know, it, it all makes sense. So it's just one of those things where it kind of goes back and forth, you know, you can't really help it and we need all of it. So, um, he was denied in both of his appeals. So he is still currently in jail. Um, 2036, he could potentially be out for parole, which is weird. I don't really know how you get 17 life sentences and then, and then you can, uh, be considered for parole in 30 years. Um, but also this is not here. So right, we don't right, know how law fair. works. You know, right. it's something that there was even a series, um, of nurses who kill, which focused, um, one of the episodes focused on, on his crime. Well, the thing is for me, like, I 100% think he did it because he, one, had that specific medication in his pocket whenever he was arrested. Two, the patients who, like the one who was recovering, um, or the ones who died, they had those medications that were not prescribed to them in their systems. Right. So, how does it make any sense if those medications were in their systems for him to not be guilty. And there were people who were who able else to, would have put there them were, in there? There were people who were able to come out of consciousness, like that one nurse that went in for the dislocated shoulder who was able to be like, I remember what happened, <laughs> you know, like... Like, like up until he yeah. pushed whatever into my <laughs> IV that he yeah. pushed into and my she, IV? And yeah. it was a nurse. Like, she was a retired nurse. She knew her shit. Right. You know, so... But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the jury was um, unanimous about it all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Take that as you will. Make your own assumption on whether you think that Gein did it, whether you think that Gein didn't. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the circumstantial evidence was enough for a rightful or, or rightfully enough for a conviction? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that because it's circumstantial evidence that it should have stayed that way? It's one of those things where, like, you can be convicted on circumstantial evidence, but it's got to be, like... Some strong... Or some strong... Evidence. And I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Looking at it... I don't know if I think that it was enough circumstance. I think he did it, but right. I just don't but know if evidence. I don't know. I, yeah, I personally just don't know if I believe that the circumstantial evidence was enough. However, a jury of his peers all, you know, mm-hmm. unanimously were like, it was him. Right. So um, for me, I think that he did it. I think that he quite literally suffered from hero syndrome and this is what happened. Right. For me, it's very like, you know, open and shut for what I think happened, but also... 
dude, that's circumstantial evidence. I mean, it really it's just hard to yeah. Hold up in court for sure. So, but I mean, it did, and a lot of people really do. You know, we don't know what it was like over there. We don't know what it was like in that time with yeah. everything coming off the tailcoats of Doctor Death. Mm-hmm. So it very well could have been. I do know Doctor Death. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, now. I've listened to a couple of different podcast about it so right yep i remember now so and it was coming oh. right off the tokens right they were saying that they were looking right for this type of situation so i mean it's it's one of those things where one of these days we could find out maybe like a you know somebody ups and confesses and was like i can't do it anymore and then we find out this whole time that benjamin Gein was like <laughs> jailed you, yeah it was not that you know, would be something well, else that would be like. wild but that's the that's kind of what you do you know like when you when you convict somebody on like a mound of circumstantial evidence, you open yourself and that court up to the risk of a wrongful conviction. A wrongful conviction. Mm-hmm. So it could happen. For me, looking at it, it's easy for me to tell that. Um, but there are a lot of people on the other side, like the London Innocence Foundation. Like they really, you know, like the hell, the founder and head chairman, even like Backskin, and he's like. No, you know, and there were other people. They got a statistical analysis, um, and she said that while, yes, statistically it does show, you know, that there's a chance because he was there for all of them, Mm -hmm. he was, she said, under no circumstance was it a strong enough statistic. To necessarily show that he's the one who pushed the uh meds. And so there's a lot of people, like, they got a bunch of different, like, specialists and analysis for that, that... Honestly, if it had showed, you know, like his appeals had worked and he had gotten out, like it would have made sense based on what they had. Mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, families of the people of the victims who were like, this is the right guy. Like, we're glad he's there. But also we know that in some cases, specifically the West Memphis Three, that, you know, some family members of victims can just be like, oh, they've got somebody. And right. I'm glad that they got them. And they believe it wholeheartedly because mm-hmm. they just want somebody to... They just want somebody to answer for the crime. Yeah. They're just ready to get it over with, really. So, (laughs) we don't know if that's the case. It really could be one of those things that we just find out one day. Someday. Benjamin Gein didn't do it. But to me, I needed it. What a crazy case. Yeah. What a crazy case. It's it's just wild. Very... I said what it is the word times. I'm looking for? Um, controversial. Yeah. It's yeah, very controversial. It's very, yeah. There we go. And then just mentally taxing, even trying to figure it out, because, like, Brain. you know, you don't want to sit here and hate somebody who didn't do it, but also fuck the person who did it. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, it's awful. I know I've said it 55 times, but, I mean, just with cases with the circumstantial evidence, like, it's just, it's so Never mind-boggling. Know. So. Well, I have a case where there is not circumstantial evidence. There is plain as day. Here it is evidence. So I have one that is very non-controversial. It's very apparent who did it. William George Davis was 37 and he was a well-liked cardiovascular ICU nurse at Christ Trinity Mother Francis Hospital in Tyler, Texas. That's my sister's name. Yeah. It's also a mouthful. Oh, my sister's name is not Christ Trinity Mother Francis Hospital. My sister's name is Tyler. Tyler, yes. With an O instead of an E. <laughs> so this hospital is about 100 miles east of Dallas. And the the year, the year is 2017 to 2018 area. So while Davis was working at the hospital, he acquired a total of five victims from what I could find, four of which he had murdered. These four victims who were murdered were John Lafferty, aged 74, Ronald Clark, aged 68, Christopher Greenaway, aged 47, and Joseph Kalina, aged 58. 
The most that I could find was about Christopher Greenaway's case, but all the other cases are very similar to what happened in his. So I'm kind of going to tell more about Christopher Greenaway, but I'm presuming that all the others were kind of more correlated with it. So again, the hospital was a cardiovascular hospital. They, the men had just had open heart surgeries and they were all in recovery in the ICU. These patients were recovering and they had few complications until after Davis was seen going into and quickly coming out of their rooms. So in an interview, Davis said he went into one of the patient's room because the IV pump was beeping. That same interview, he said that the same patient was saying his IV was bothering him, so he went in and flushed it for him. But what had really happened was that Will Davis had gone into these rooms and injected air into the IVs of well, the patients. that will kill you. Period. Yep, yep, yep. This was determined because each of the patients had a CT scan done after their health started deteriorating, which happened after Davis went into the room. CT results showed that air was found in their brain. This is called an air embolism. I have a quote here from Dr. Kenneth Layton. Um, I believe it was Dr. Kenneth Layton, but they had the names blurred out. And then I found later on in like different... Um, Articles that Layton was the one who was like the radio radiologist, right? Yeah, doctor. What are they called? Radiologist. Yeah. So <laughs> Doctor Layton was the one who was the radiologist. You said the radiologist. <laughs> what do you call? Shut up. The radiologist. Uh, okay. So anyway, here's the quote from Doctor Layton. He said the presence of an air embolus in the brain indicates a substantial amount of air entering the arterial circulation from an external source. Such events are possible in cases of severe trauma in which an artery has become damaged and is exposed to air, in cases of decompression sickness as seen in divers, or in cases of introduction of a bolus of air through an arterial catheter. I love the decompression stuff that happens with divers. It's I, insane. I hate water, but it's so interesting insane. to me. Insane. Yeah. In the quote, he said, had the source of the air embolism been venous, then the air then the area affected would have been the pulmonary vasculature, not cerebral. In light of the findings that a number of patients suffered very similar injuries in the same hospital ward over a period of approximately seven months, and that some of those patients have evidence of manipulation of their arterial line immediately preceding their own acute cerebral events, the logical conclusion is that the underlying cause of the events is the deliberate introduction of an air embolus into the patient's arterial lines. In view of these findings, the cause of death of Christopher Greenaway is cerebral ischemia due to an induced air embolus. The manner of death is homicide. I mean, yeah. I would agree. Like I said, most of the tra court transcripts I found were about Christopher Greenaway, but I'm presuming that the each of the other victims died in pretty well the same similar. manner. Yeah. yeah, similar ways. There is also a video that they've shown in court of Davis walking into the room of one of the patients and around a minute later walking out. Within the next few minutes, chaos ensues and many nurses rush into the room to assist in treating the patient while Davis sits at a computer and watches the monitors of the patient in an active critical situation. He sits there and watches. He's admiring his work. Exactly. 
So we don't have a hero situation here. We have an actual person who just wants to watch. Moida. He wants to watch his creation. I shouldn't kill people. That's gross. I hate it. I hate it. And like, how do you get into a profession like this? <laughs> I I feel like getting into a profession like a doctor or mm-hmm. a nurse, mm-hmm. like going through all that just so you can murder people. I feel like it'd be easier to just murder people without right. the education. Without the education. What makes it even more hurtful is just, you know, these people go in trusting these people with their right. heart. I trust most He's nurses. in an ICU. Right. Open heart surgery. You come out and you're like, man, these people got me. Right. Davis made a call to his wife from his jail cell where he said that he was trying to, in these murders, he was trying to prolong the stay of the patients in the ICU so that he could work more overtime for more money. However, the people he worked with literally said... There was plenty of overtime to be had, plenty of money to be made. I don't know why he did it. There was obviously overtime that he could have gotten without doing this. So, I think he just enjoyed killing people. No, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a little... hate this guy. So, he killed four people total, correct? Correct. Right. Now, I wanted to mention, because there was another victim, the yeah. fifth victim, was a woman. Her name is Pamela Henderson. And she's she was, a fighter. Yeah, she was a fighter. But she was also in the ICU recovering from a heart surgery when Davis was her caretaker. Like, he specifically was the caretaker of this one. Some of them, he was not the caretaker. So the other nurses don't know why he went into their rooms. But other than to push air into their IVs. This woman was recovering from the heart surgery. And he introduced air into her IV, which was enough to cause her to have a stroke, which she never actually fully recovered from. She can still barely walk. Right. Strokes are rough. Mm-hmm. Now, after the deaths in 2018, Davis was fired. He was tried in October of 2021, and he was convicted of four capital murders. He was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for Pamela H- Henderson, and he actually received the death penalty, and he's in custody at the Smith County Jail with an $8.75 million bond. Not that both of your cases are made it to Covey. Yes. The, your past three cases have made it to Covey. Yep. Yep, yep. It's crazy. I, oh, I don't know. It's icky. It's icky. It's, it's an icky. icky feeling to here's, here's the thing. talk about people who are supposed to take care of you. Talking about uh, Ben Gein, he was at least giving them, like, sedatives and... You know, muscle relaxers, Mm -hmm. and so these people probably didn't feel pain. But, like, air? Yeah, and it traveled on the CT, it traveled to their brain. Yeah. So there was air in their brain. Could you have, like... It probably feels like an aneurysm. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Oh, God. And, like, these patients were recovering. They were in... On the mend. Right. So... From already, like... Horrific stuff like yeah, hard heart surgeries. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nope. Awful, awful. Trust your nurses, people. However, <laughs> be wary. No, no. We love nurses, and and we're very thankful for all the work they do. Um, you know, a few bad apples around the bunch, but yeah, we appreciate you, nurses. We appreciate this is an attack of the medical workers. <laughs> right, this isn't an attack on you guys. We love you guys dearly. Thank you so much for everything you do. Um, fuck these two guys, though. Yeah. They're not so great. Yeah, they're pretty awful. But 
anyway, we are um, incredibly excited that you came um, to hang out with us for the day and uh, get stories from both of us. We love a double episode. We don't Thank do you. <laughs> Appreciate you. We don't do them often, but um, we love them when we do them. So if you guys haven't seen her by now, we have merch. Go check it out. It, Go get yourself a shirt. Yes, or a pullover. Or a pullover. Or a sticker. A sticker? <laughs> a sticker. She a thick a sticker. So a sticker. We just had the same thought at <laughs> yeah. the same time. And I bit my tongue twice in the process. <laughs> um, but yeah, go check out our merch shop. You can get to that if you go to all of our social medias. They all have um, the the link tree. Um, the link tree link. And yep, you can that. access our merch shop through there. So That is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. You can hit us up on our Gmail at crumorreason at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. It's been amazing mm-hmm. having all these people reach out to us. So Yeah, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate the support. And we hope that you stay with us forever. We have now have you under our wings. You will not be leaving. We have officially adopted you or kidnapped you. Forever and ever, amen. You are our family now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're all family I'm here. holding my arms up like I'm a fucking bat. <laughs> like I'm fucking Dracula like oh. Dracula <laughs> I come to suck your blood <laughs> so stupid it's so stupid anyway well um don't suck like we do and uh, enjoy the rest of your day what did you call us last time a garbage oh dumpster we're dumpster fires dumpster fire like we're dumpster fires like I'm a dumpster fire of a person so is Caitlin but together we set the world ablaze yes that's what I said, I think. Yep, yep. So, anyway. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys. We hope that you stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay criminal. criminal. Good. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Or trash. <laughs>